Hello, our True History Spotify listeners. I have two special treats for you. I'm allowed by an author to put up two chapters from two of his books. The books are amazing, and when you hear the chapters, I'm sure you'll want to buy the full audiobook from Audible or Paperback or Kindle from Amazon. The title of the book chapter you're about to hear is called Atlantis, Mermaids, Pixies, Giants, and Our Untold History. There are 15 chapters in each book, covering so many topics. This chapter is about mermaids and its connection with the alien race called gods. We know them as Anunnaki. All links to everything can be found on my website, ourtruehistory.co.uk. I hope you enjoy. Chapter 1. Mermaids. Before I begin, I need to share this information with you. While I'll provide evidence for this later, it's crucial for you to be aware of it now. An alien race called the Gods arrived on Earth, accompanied by their offspring, the Sons of the Gods. Their king, King Anu, assigned them names upon their arrival. The adults who stayed on Earth were called Anunnaki, and the younger gods were known as Igigi. The Igigi were stationed on Mars as an away station for the gods. In biblical terms, they are referred to as the sons of God, who took unto them the daughters of man. Now here's a description of the types of mermaids, mermen, and sirens. Mermaids. These are perhaps the most well-known mermaids, often depicted as beautiful women from the waist up with a fishtail below. They are typically associated with enchanting sailors and luring them into the depths of the sea with their melodious voices. In Celtic and Norse folklore, selkies are seals that can shed their skin to become human. These creatures are often considered a type of mermaid or merman due to their dual nature. In Japanese mythology, ningyo are fish-like creatures with a human-like face. They are believed to bring bad luck or disaster when caught and are sometimes considered a variation of mermaids. Mermen. Similar to classic mermaids, mermen are typically portrayed as handsome males from the waist up with a fishtail below. They are sometimes associated with protecting sailors or underwater realms. In Greek mythology, Triton is the son of Poseidon and Amphitrite. He is often depicted as a merman with a conch shell trumpet and is considered the messenger of the sea. Nereids. These are sea nymphs in Greek mythology and are often depicted as female mermaids. However, some sources describe them as mermen. In Greek mythology, sirens are dangerous and seductive creatures, often depicted as beautiful women with the wings of birds. They use their enchanting songs to lure sailors to their deaths on rocky shores. In Slavic folklore, rusalkas are water nymphs or sirens. They are often portrayed as pale, ethereal women with the ability to drown men who venture too close to their watery domains. Scottish Selkies as mentioned earlier, selkies from Celtic folklore can be considered a type of siren, as they can transform from seals into captivating human forms. These descriptions provide an overview of the diversity and cultural variations of mermaids, mermen, and sirens. Across different regions and traditions, these aquatic beings have captured the human imagination, representing both the allure and danger of the deep sea. The first carvings of mermaids and mermen were in Sumeria, unraveling the mysteries of ancient mythology. In the heartland of Mesopotamia, amidst the cradle of civilization, the Sumerians, the world's first known civilization, etched their history and beliefs into clay tablets, forever immortalizing their culture. Amongst these inscriptions, intriguingly, are depictions of creatures that have long captured our imagination, mermaids and mermen. But why did the Sumerians carve these mythical beings, and is there more to these enigmatic figures than meets the eye? The Sumerians emerged as a complex society around 3500 BCE in what is now modern-day Iraq. This is according to mainstream. 
However, I would put the dates back to around 8 or 9,000 years BC. They were responsible for numerous technological advancements, including the invention of writing and the earliest known form of governance. Amidst their achievements, they also left behind artwork and artifacts that hint at a deep fascination with the mystical. One might ask why a civilization, recognized for its groundbreaking contributions to human development, would carve depictions of creatures that we now classify as mythical. The answer lies in the Sumerian worldview, which blended the known and the unknown in a way that defies our modern understanding. For the Sumerians, the cosmos was an intricate tapestry where gods, demigods, and creatures of various forms intertwined with mortal life. It was a world where the boundary between reality and mythology was blurred. Of course, that's what mainstream will tell you. But if you do enough research, you'll see the Sumerians carved what they could see. Their art, including the carvings of mermaids and mermen, served as a means to pay homage to their pantheon of deities, depicting them in real life because the gods hand a hand in bringing these creatures to life. Remember the gods were an alien race? I'll show you where you can see proof a bit later. Some scholars and enthusiasts point to Sumerian texts, particularly those involving the god Enki, as a potential key to unlocking the truth behind these ancient depictions. In Sumerian ancient texts, Enki was a deity often associated with wisdom, creation, and the waters. According to certain translations of Sumerian texts, it is suggested that Enki and the Anunnaki, a group of deities, played a role in the creation of Homo sapiens. These texts describe how Enki in the Abzu, sometimes interpreted as the region of South Africa, modified the genetics of primitive beings to create a more advanced species capable of carrying out laborious tasks. The evidence is here. HTTPS semicolon slash slash www.youtube.com slash watch question mark V equal sign 5 V equal F2 SGWI. The evidence in that video shows that Enki was one of the main gods, alien race, that we call the Anunnaki. We call them that for two reasons. The first is that we can't grasp the fact that the word God is talking about aliens. The second is because Enki's father, King Anu, gave the name Anunnaki to the gods that left their planet and came to Earth. Anunnaki was like a team or group name. Anunnaki translates to, those from Heave came to Earth, Kai being the name for Earth. Heaven is space. We know that from ancient texts and the Bible. When they talk about the sun, stars, and moon in heaven, of course we can see the sun, we can see the moon and stars. Does that mean we can see heaven? No, we see space. The word for space in ancient times was heaven. Once you know that everything in the Bible now makes a lot more sense. Within the evidence in the video, we can see translations of Sumerian texts that clearly show the Anunnaki working out how solve their labor problems. The Anunnaki and they sons were tired of mining the gold they needed for their planet's atmosphere. We have the original texts that show they tried many times to create a creature that could help them carry their baskets. That creature is us, Homo sapiens. They genetically modified a hominid here on Earth. This intriguing connection between Enki, the Anunnaki, and the creation of humanity has led some to speculate that the Sumerian mermaid and mermen carvings might have a basis in reality. Could it be that these ancient beings, half-human and half-fish, were products of Enki's genetic experimentation? We know that we were created by Enki. Not only do the tablets in the first-ever language say it, but we have fused chromosomes, number 23 and 24. This can only be done in a laboratory setting. Moreover, 
Cylinder seals from the Sumerian era depict not only mermaids, but also other mythical creatures such as hydras and cyclops, long before these creatures entered the realm of Greek mythology. These artifacts suggest that the Sumerians had access to a vast array of knowledge that extends beyond what we commonly associate with their historical period. Some of the earliest mentions of mermaids in human history. Mermaids, those enchanting and mysterious half-human, half-fish creatures, have captivated the human imagination for centuries. The concept of mermaids can be traced back to some of the earliest civilizations in human history, appearing in various forms in folklore, mythology, and historical records. Let's delve into some of the earliest mentions of mermaids ever recorded. Ancient Mesopotamia, circa 2000 BCE. The Sumerians, one of the world's earliest civilizations in Mesopotamia, modern-day Iraq, left behind some of the earliest known depictions of mermaid-like figures. These early representations typically featured gods and demigods associated with water, such as Enki, also known as Ea, often portrayed with fish-like attributes. Ancient Assyria, circa 1000 BCE. In the Epic of Gilgamesh, one of the oldest recorded stories in human history, there's a mention of a goddess named Ishtar who, at one point in the story, emerges from the ocean and is described as having fish-like attributes. This might be one of the earliest references to a goddess with mermaid-like characteristics. Ishtar had legs. We know this because we have ancient carvings of her from ancient times. Could she be wearing a swimming device that allowed her bottom half to look like a fish? Just like we have flippers now. Ancient Greece circa 8th century BCE. The ancient Greeks had their share of water nymphs and sea deities, including the Nereids and Triton, often depicted with aquatic features. While not precisely mermaids, they represent a fascination with aquatic beings in ancient Mediterranean culture. The Sirens, another Greek mythological creature, shared some similarities with mermaids, with their alluring voices and the ability to lure sailors to their doom. Ancient Babylon, circa 600 BCE. In Babylonian stories in ancient texts, the goddess Atargatis was believed to transform into a fish out of shame, symbolizing her connection to water and aquatic life. Her story shares certain traits with mermaid legends, as she was considered a protector of the sea and marine life. Ancient China, circa 4th century BCE. In Chinese folklore, there are tales of beautiful fish-like women known as Jianyu, or Jianren. These creatures are believed to live in the waters, often in association with sacred lakes and rivers. While different from the Western concept of mermaids, they represent a similar fascination with aquatic beings. Medieval Europe, circa 12th century CE. The Western concept of mermaids as we know them today began to take shape during the Middle Ages. Mermaids were often depicted in religious texts, where they symbolized temptation and sin, or in maps to represent uncharted waters, and the unknown dangers of the sea. Hans Christian Andersen's The Little Mermaid, 1837. While not ancient in the historical sense, this iconic fairy tale by Hans Christian Andersen played a significant role in shaping our modern perception of mermaids. Andersen's poignant story of a mermaid who longs to become human for love is a classic that has inspired countless adaptations and interpretations. Both Blackbeard and Christopher Columbus are said to have encountered what they believe to be mermaids during their voyages, but it's important to note that these sightings have been subject to various interpretations and skepticism. Christopher Columbus During his first voyage to the Americas in 1493, Columbus reported seeing mermaids off the coast of what is now the Dominican Republic. In his journal, he described them as 
not as pretty as they are depicted, for somehow in the face they look like men. This is what mainstream claim. It is widely believed that Columbus actually saw manatees or dugongs, which are aquatic mammals that can resemble the upper body of a human when they surface for air. In the excitement and unfamiliarity of encountering these creatures, Columbus and his crew may have mistaken them for mermaids. However, as we go deeper into the stories of mermaids and mermen, you'll see that the mermen are not as pretty as they are depicted, for somehow in the face they look like men. This would suggest that maybe he did actually see mermen. Blackbeard, the notorious pirate Blackbeard, whose real name was Edward Teach, was also said to have encountered mermaids during his voyages in the early 18th century. One account suggests that Blackbeard and his crew observed mermaids while sailing off the coast of North Carolina. Now, this is what the mainstream claims. However, similar to Columbus, it is likely that what they saw were manatees or dugongs rather than mythical mermaids. As you can see, the mainstream won't entertain the notion that they were real. Instead, they always use the term mythical. But if you ask the mainstream if Cyclops were real, they will say no. However, there is a condition called cyclopia. Cyclopia, also known as synophthalmia or cyclocephaly, is a clinical abnormality where the fusion of both eyes can be seen in a single central orbit located in the middle of the face. It is the facial expression of the most severe form of a congenital anomaly called holoprosencephaly syndrome, HPE. There are cases of babies born very recently, 2022, with this condition. Does that mean the baby is a myth? The mainstream would say it is, but yet the baby with one eye is real. Most studies have shown that a baby born with cyclopia syndrome has a maximum lifespan of 10-12 hours. However, despite the anomaly of the respiratory system, our case survived 13 hours, which was the longest survival time of a newborn with cyclopia syndrome. A newborn who develops cyclopia often does not survive pregnancy. But what if back in ancient times, cyclopia was prevalent due to inbreeding and humans breeding with aliens, Anunnaki? Cyclopia occurs in about 1 in 100,000 newborns. But in ancient times, could that have been more common? What if the Anunnaki actually helped medically a baby survive with cyclopia? So, if cyclops, even in babies, are real, why not mermaids? Let's follow the trail of where the mermaids were seen. This might give us a clue. The Dogon people. The Dogon people are an indigenous ethnic group who primarily inhabit the Bandiagara Escarpment region in Mali, West Africa. Their homeland, designated as a UNESCO World Heritage Site, is located in the central part of Mali in the Sahel region near the border with Burkina Faso. The Dogon are renowned for their unique culture, rich mythology, and deep spiritual beliefs. One of the intriguing aspects of Dogon mythology is their belief in a complex cosmology that includes knowledge about the Sirius star system. According to Dogon mythology, they received this knowledge from ancestral beings known as the Namo, who are often described as amphibious or fish-like creatures. The Namo are central figures in Dogon cosmology and are believed to have imparted knowledge about the universe, stars, and creation to the Dogon people. While the Namo are not explicitly described as mermaids, they share some similarities with aquatic beings. They are often associated with water and are believed to have had a profound influence on Dogon spirituality and cosmology. The Dogon have a deep reverence for water and consider it a sacred element. The most famous aspect of Dogon cosmology related to the Sirius star system involves the star Sirius B, which is a companion star to Sirius A. 
The Dogon are said to possess knowledge about the existence of Sirius B, a feat that has fascinated researchers and fueled speculation about potential ancient astronomical knowledge. However, it's important to note that the Dogon's knowledge of Sirius B has been a subject of debate among scholars. Some argue that their knowledge may have been influenced by contact with European astronomers in the early 20th century. Others suggest that it might be a part of their complex oral traditions that have been passed down through generations. The Dogon tribe wouldn't have called it Sirius B. They wouldn't have known. On the 31st of January, 1862, American telescope maker and astronomer Alvin Graham Clark first observed the faint companion, which is now called Sirius B, or affectionately, the pup. These were stories passed down from ancient times. This means when Europeans arrived there and started talking to them, the Dogon tribe would have simply pointed to the sky to say, that's where the mermaids come from. But in ancient times, the position of the stars would have been different. Not only that, but the planet Nibiru, the Anunnaki's home planet, could have been in the direction where they pointed. Nibiru is said to have a three 600-year orbit around the sun. This was based on the term Shar where Ashar is one year on Nibiru, but 3,600 years here on Earth. From the UK newspaper The Independent, Tuesday, the 5th of September, 2023. A mysterious Earth-sized planet could be hiding in plain sight in our solar system. Astronomers have found likely evidence of an Earth-like planet in the solar system that may be circling the Sun in an orbit beyond Neptune. Physicists, including those from the National Astronomical Observatory of Japan, said the planet could be much closer than the hypothetical Planet 9 thought to exist in the far outer edges of the solar system. But Planet 9, or 12, depending on who you ask, doesn't stay at the far edges. It does have an orbit. This means Japan might be right, and the planet is nearer than what mainstream would want us to believe. The Anunnaki, gods, counted the planets in our solar system from inwards to the sun, but we count planet from the sun outwards from the sun. Were the mermaids and mermen half Anunnaki? Is this why the Dogon tribe pointed to their planet? If we examine the numerous Sumerian mermaid carvings, you'll notice the top half appears to resemble the Sumerian gods, Anunnaki, with long hair, often under a turban or hat, a long beard, usually braided with lapis lazuli, and some even wearing the same type of wristwatch that the Anunnaki are depicted wearing. If they are indeed half Anunnaki, that would explain why they were first observed in Mesopotamia, the home of the Anunnaki. In Mesopotamia, there are rivers such as the Euphrates and Tigris, as well as the eastern Mediterranean Sea nearby. Is it possible that the mermaids who first appeared in Mesopotamia ventured further into the Mediterranean Sea? The Mediterranean Sea, a body of water connected to the Atlantic Ocean, is almost completely enclosed by land. Southern Europe and Anatolia to the north, North Africa to the south, and the Levant in West Asia to the east. Almost but not fully enclosed by land, yes, they could have swum out to the Atlantic Ocean. While there is no definitive way to date the Sumerian tablets featuring mermaid carvings, my own research suggests some of them may be around 5,000 years old. However, when it comes to any other records apart from these tablets, mainstream sources assert that the earliest written accounts of mermaids can be traced back to Assyria, around 1000 BC. During this period, Atargatis, a Syrian goddess revered as the ruler of the seas, was venerated and celebrated in temples adorned with sizable pools, where fish played a significant role in her worship. 
it is beginning to appear that some of the Anunnaki might have been half-fish. This speculation arises because it seems unlikely that a human would have been granted the title of god or goddess. The closest we come to humans receiving special treatment were Adipa Adam from the story of Adam and Eve. Adipa was the son of Enki, an Anunnaki prince and a human mother. Despite his lineage, he was not given the title of prince or any royal status, though technically he should have been. The other figure was Noah. He was granted an extended lifespan by Enlil, Enki's brother, because he was the one who ensured the survival of humans during the Great Flood. Both of these humans were highly esteemed by the Anunnaki but were not designated as gods. This is because the Anunnaki race itself is referred to as God. The tablets and their translations make it evident that they identified themselves as gods and goddesses. This is logical, as every race needs a name. We are humans, and even the Hebrew Bible acknowledges that they were referred to as gods. The word Elohim is plural, signifying gods. Can we further narrow down to determine if the Anunnaki had other members who were part fish? Anki, one of the princely brothers, is also recognized as Neptune, Roman god, and Poseidon, Greek god. Some people could say he was part fish. Triton, the son of Poseidon and Amphitrite, is another noteworthy figure. In Greek mythology, Amphitrite is the goddess of the sea and the wife of Poseidon. Enki was the one credited with creating Homo sapiens. More details can be found in my other book. As stated in numerous ancient tablets, Enki was a fashioner, someone capable of creation. Enki was known for combining animal DNA to create hybrid species, often regarded as myths. These include creatures like the Hydra, Griffin, Harpy, Centaur, Minotaur, etc. Remarkably, ancient Sumerian cylinder seals depict these creatures. Poseidon, Enki, was also credited with creating creatures. Not only do they bear a striking resemblance and wield the same trident, but they also perform similar functions. According to Greek tales, Poseidon introduced the first horse to earth. This is significant because ancient texts, predating Greek mythology, mentioned that 50 horses were brought from Mars to Earth. The Atrahasis tablets explain that these creatures existed on Lamu, Mars, and were brought to Earth for transportation. The Anunnaki talk about Mars a few times in their ancient texts. The reason I mention the horse is that the only animals on this planet known to have fused chromosomes, as far as we have checked, are horses, sheep, goats, and Homo sapiens, you and me. Attempting to artificially fuse chromosomes would require an advanced understanding of genetics and molecular biology, a capability currently beyond the reach of modern science and technology. Mainstream science asserts that chromosome fusion usually occurs over extended periods through natural genetic changes and evolutionary processes. Mainstream say one instance of chromosome fusion in humans is the merging of two ancestral chromosomes to form human chromosome 2. Mainstream state. This event is believed to have happened millions of years ago as part of our evolutionary history. What a load of rubbish. There's no evidence of this happening millions of years ago, and the only human species to have fused chromosomes are the Homo sapiens, which appeared on Earth only 300,000 years ago. This proves mainstream are either lying or their researchers are truly stupid. But as we have ancient written evidence, I'll go with the texts rather than a guess by mainstream. Nevertheless, Recently, some scientists have managed to fuse chromosomes in mice and enhance their cognitive abilities. Wang, Y, Q, Z, Fang, Y, et al. demonstrated in their study that chromosome territory reorganization through artificial chromosome fusion is compatible with cell fate determination and mouse development. Did an almighty being fuse Homo sapiens chromosomes 
or did the alien race do it in a lab in South Africa? What adds intrigue to this topic is that the only animals known to have fused chromosomes are the ones that ancient texts claim were brought to Earth, excluding Homo sapiens, who were created from Neanderthal and Anunnaki DNA. We have texts from the Atrahasis that state, Ea with his Lamu creatures shall keep it locked. Lamu means Mars. In the Sumerian poem, The Debate Between Grain and Sheep, Earth initially appeared barren, lacking grain, sheep, or goats. People lived naked, surviving on grass for nourishment and water from ditches. Later, the gods created sheep and grain, providing them to humankind as sustenance. Regarding horses, goats, and sheep, they have horizontal pupils, not round ones, and not like cats or lizard eyes which are able to go round and back to a, almost a thin line, but over the thousands of years on Earth, some sheep, goats, and horse are starting to have more rounded pupils. There's one more creature that also has this type of eye, the octopus. In a September 2023 article published in the UK newspaper The Independent, researchers claimed octopuses are aliens. This assertion comes from a team of 33 researchers published in a peer-reviewed scientific journal. They are not using the term aliens metaphorically, but rather to describe literal extraterrestrial beings. Horizontal pupils can elongate in bright light, forming a narrow slit, which reduces the amount of light entering the eye and protects it from harsh sunlight. In low-light conditions, the pupils can expand horizontally to allow more light in, improving visibility. Both Mars and Nibiru are further away from the sun, thus an eye design that lets in more light is needed. Now, you might wonder, what does this have to do with mermaids? Assuming we believe these creatures are from another planet and possibly have had their DNA fused, why not take it a step further and create a fully hybrid creature? In modern times, scientists have successfully mixed genetic material from two different species through genetic engineering and biotechnology. This process is known as creating transgenic organisms or hybrid organisms. Transgenic organisms contain genes or DNA from one species that have been artificially introduced into the genetic makeup of another species. Examples of mixing genetic material between species include genetically modified organisms, GMOs. These are plants or animals that have had their DNA modified through genetic engineering techniques. For instance, genetically modified crops may contain genes from other species to enhance resistance to pests or increase crop yield. Transgenic animals. Scientists have created transgenic animals by introducing genes from one species into the genome of another. This has been done for various research purposes, such as studying specific genes or understanding disease mechanisms. An example is the creation of mice with humanized immune systems for medical research. Chimeras are organisms that contain cells or tissues from two different species. For instance, scientists have created human-animal chimeras for research purposes, where human cells are introduced into animal embryos to study human development and disease. Professor Ispichua Belmonte was involved in the creation of a human-pig hybrid in the lab to help grow donor organs. In a laboratory setting, Scientists successfully generated a hybrid organism by combining human and pig genetic material. However, the embryo was intentionally terminated before the hypothetical chimera could fully develop. Although there are doubts about whether it was truly terminated before full development, this breakthrough marks a significant advancement, suggesting the possibility of creating and allowing the development of such embryos until birth in the future. The question arises, why can't a race far more advanced than we are now create such hybrid creatures? Remember, we humans have fused chromosomes. 
Did the higher beings feel the need to fuse ours compared to other hominids that existed long before us? It is believed that an advanced race created Homo sapiens. But why do our scientists choose a pig to mix human and animal genes with? Why not a chimpanzee? That's because pigs are already part human. Please refer to my first book for full details, but here's a brief summary. About 10,000 years ago in Mesopotamia, during a food shortage, the Anunnaki mixed wild boar and humans to create the pigs we know today. Pigs share numerous traits with humans. Here are a few examples. Pigs have a similar organ system layout to humans, including a heart, lungs, liver, kidneys, and digestive system. Both pigs and humans have a monogastric digestive system, featuring a stomach with similar regions, such as the fundus and antrum, and a small intestine for nutrient absorption. Pigs, like humans, possess a four-chambered heart and a closed circulatory system responsible for pumping blood throughout the body. Pigs have a respiratory system that includes lungs and a diaphragm, similar to humans. Both pigs and humans share similarities in bone structure, muscle arrangement, and joint types. Pigs and humans both have a uterus, ovaries, in females, and testes, in males. The basic reproductive process is similar. Pigs, akin to humans, have skin with hair follicles, sweat glands, and sebaceous glands. Pigs share a significant portion of their DNA with humans. This genetic similarity has made them valuable for medical research, including organ transplantation studies, xenotransplantation. Pigs have eyes, ears, and a sense of smell similar to humans. They possess a well-developed sense of hearing and smell. The pig's immune system shares some similarities with the human immune system, making them valuable for immunology research. Both pigs and humans are omnivores with similar metabolic processes for energy production and nutrient utilization. Pigs and humans have complex gut microbiomes that play a role in digestion and overall health. Enki was the god of water, sea, and oceans, someone who would have loved to see his favorite creature on Earth, the octopus. But what else? Half god and half fish, why not? The planet Earth is mostly covered in water compared to land. This could explain why the Sumerian carvings of mermaids and mermen resembled the gods, Anunnaki. What can we infer from looking at the oldest carvings of mermaids and mermen? Some carvings show their tail appears to be split down the middle, giving the impression that the tail comes apart, resembling legs. Could this mean the fish part was really just scuba gear they wore? None of the carvings show any kind of breathing devices. Also, there are carvings where the Anunnaki are wearing a fish-skin coat, including the head of the fish. Ancient Indian carvings also depict the split. In some, the mermaid is shown doing the splits with fish legs. Another argument could be that much like swimmers use flippers, the mermaids were merely wearing flippers and didn't actually go underwater. This would make sense as we don't see any extra breathing equipment on the carvings, but there are stories that claim the mermaids are far out at sea. Could the mermaids and mermen have had gills to allow them to breathe underwater? Upon close inspection of every one of the carvings from ancient times worldwide, I can't see anything resembling gills. Does this settle the debate? No gills, no living underwater. As detailed as the carvings are, just because I can't see gills doesn't mean they aren't there. Or that a half-fish, half-Anunnaki creature requires gills. Remember, the Anunnaki are from another planet. See Chapter 2 for more details. They may not have the same organs as humans. Now, let's examine the descriptions given for mermaids and mermen, as this will be crucial. Mermaid. Mermaids typically possess a human-looking upper body, complete with a head, neck, and arms. Their facial features can vary but are often depicted as beautiful and youthful. 
Mermaids are frequently portrayed with long, flowing hair that can be blonde, red, brown, or even green or blue. The hair is a defining characteristic and can appear wet or cascading when in the water. They are usually shown with large, expressive eyes of any color but are often described as deep and enchanting. Their ears are typically human-like. Below the waist, mermaids have a fish-like tail instead of legs. The tail's design can vary but generally resembles that of a fish or a dolphin. The tail is covered in scales that can be shades of green, blue, silver, or gold. These scales often shimmer and reflect light when submerged in water. Mermaid tails usually feature a dorsal fin running along the back and fin-like extensions along the sides and lower part of the tail. Some depictions show webbed fingers or spaces between their toes, emphasizing their aquatic nature. Mermaids are often portrayed wearing accessories, pearl necklaces, or seaweed adornments. But if you see anything with a bra, it's fake. No mermaids covered their breasts on any ancient carving. They are commonly depicted with graceful and alluring body language, often lounging on rocks or swimming playfully in the water. Similar to humans, mermaids can vary in their physical attributes, and artists often introduce unique features or characteristics to make each mermaid distinctive. Let's look at mermen now. Mermen typically have a human upper body with a head, neck, and arms. Their upper bodies can display muscular or slender characteristics, similar to human males. Mermen's facial features, like mermaids but with chiseled features or on the other extreme, very grotesque. They may have piercing eyes, high cheekbones, and well-defined jawlines. They often have flowing hair, which can range in color from blonde, brown, black, or even silver. My guess it's gray hair for an older. Mermen usually have expressive eyes that can be of various colors, but are often depicted as captivating and intense. Their ears are typically human-like and unremarkable, similar to those of humans. Mermen have a graceful neck that connects their upper body to their aquatic lower half. Below the waist, mermen have a fish-like tail, much like mermaids. The design of the tail can vary but generally resembles that of a fish, often featuring scales, fins, and a dorsal fin along the back. The tail is typically covered in scales that can come in various colors, ranging from blues and greens to silver or gold. These scales may shimmer when submerged in water. In some depictions, mermen may have webbed fingers or spaces between their toes. Similar to mermaids, mermen can be shown wearing accessories like seaweed belts, coral crowns, or other aquatic-themed adornments. Mermen often display confident and regal body language, befitting their godlike status. They may be portrayed swimming gracefully or resting on underwater rocks or coral formations. The question that most people ask is, are sirens the same as mermaids? Are they just mistaken for something different when really they are mermaids? Let's look at the descriptions of sirens to compare. Sirens typically have a human-like upper body, which includes a head, neck, and arms. Their upper bodies are often portrayed as beautiful, with sensual and enticing features. Sirens are known for their long, flowing hair, which can vary in color but is often depicted as lustrous and captivating. Sirens have mesmerizing, alluring eyes that can be any color but are often depicted as deep and hypnotic. Their eyes are renowned for their ability to draw in and captivate those who gaze upon them. Their facial features are typically seductive and youthful, exuding beauty and allure. Sirens are often shown with full, inviting lips that add to their irresistible charm. The design of the tail can vary but generally resembles that of a fish with scales, fins. Sirens are renowned for their enchanting voices and their ability to sing captivating and irresistible melodies. Their singing is often depicted as a means of luring sailors and travelers to their doom. 
Sirens may be adorned with underwater-themed accessories such as seaweed garlands, shells, or aquatic jewelry, enhancing their enchanting appearance. They are commonly associated with rocky shores, cliffs, and dangerous waters. They are often depicted perched on rocks or cliffs, singing their alluring songs to passing ships. Sirens are often portrayed as dangerous and malevolent beings who use their beauty and songs to lead sailors and travelers to their demise, luring them into treacherous waters. In some traditions, sirens possess the ability to hypnotize or enchant with their singing and appearance, making it difficult for those who encounter them to resist their allure. The perception of mermaids as dangerous or benign beings varies widely across different cultures and narratives. In many myths and stories, mermaids are not inherently malicious, unlike sirens, but can pose risks or challenges to those who encounter them. In other cultural interpretations, mermaids are seen as protective figures, guarding the seas or underwater realms. They may aid those in need, rescuing drowning sailors or guiding lost travelers to safety. These benevolent mermaids are often portrayed as helpful and compassionate beings who care for the well-being of ocean ecosystems and the creatures within them. In certain tales, mermaids are individuals who were once human but were transformed into mermaid-like beings through magic, curses, or divine intervention. These stories may involve mermaids who long for their humanity and may seek to return to the land or regain their human forms. It's important to note that the depiction of mermaids varies widely across cultures and historical periods. Their characteristics and behaviors can differ greatly from one story to another. In some cultures, mermaids are viewed as gentle protectors, while in others they are associated with danger and treacherous waters, which suggests they are the same as sirens. It appears the ones called sirens are just angry or aggressive towards humans. That's no different from us humans. Not every human is happy to have another human go into their backyard. This is what humans do when they go to the sea. We are in their backyard. In Greek mythology, sirens are often portrayed as dangerous creatures who lured sailors to their deaths with their enchanting songs. The most famous tale involving sirens is that of Odysseus in Homer's The Odyssey. Odysseus and his crew encountered the sirens, and to avoid their deadly allure, he had his crew block their ears with wax and tied himself to the mast of his ship, preventing them from being drawn to their deaths. Are all tales of mermaids around the world with different names the same mermaids? Are they mermaids? Nice ones that don't want to harm us. Or sirens whom appear to be angry mermaids? Here's some stories from around the world. Have a look and make up your own mind. Rusalkas are water nymphs or spirits found in Slavic folklore. While they can be benevolent or mischievous, some stories depict them as vengeful beings who drown men they encounter near bodies of water. These encounters often result in harm or death for the humans. Vodnik in Czech and Slovak folklore. The Vodnik is a water spirit in Czech and Slovak folklore known for its dangerous behavior. It is believed to dwell in bodies of water, especially ponds and rivers. The Vodnik can drown humans who venture too close to its domain and it is considered a malevolent figure in many stories. Scottish Kelpies Kelpies are water spirits from Scottish folklore that are often depicted as shapeshifters, appearing as beautiful horses near water. They would entice people, especially children, to ride them. But once the person was on their back, the Kelpie's true form would be revealed, and they would drag the victim into the water, often resulting in their death. The Mermaid of Zenor a famous Cornish legend tells the story of a beautiful mermaid who enchanted a young man named Matthew Truella. He followed her into the sea, never to be seen again. 
While this story doesn't explicitly state harm or death, it implies that Matthew was lured away from his life on land. Melusine in European Folklore Melusine is a figure from European folklore who was a water spirit with a dual nature, part human and part serpent or fish. While she is not typically depicted as malicious, her stories often involve tragic events or curses that affect her human descendants. We have word-of-mouth stories from more modern times compared to the ancient times. Henry Hudson, the English explorer known for discovering Hudson Bay in North America in the early 17th century, is said to have recorded a mermaid sighting in his ship's log during one of his voyages. Like Columbus, Hudson's description is believed to have been based on the sighting of marine creatures such as manatees or dugongs. Captain John Smith, one of the early English settlers in North America and a leader of the Jamestown colony, claimed to have seen a mermaid in the waters of the West Indies during his explorations. Throughout history, many sailors and fishermen have reported sightings of mermaids or merman-like creatures. These accounts often describe encounters with mysterious half-human, half-fish beings in the open sea. While it's still possible these are just myths, at some point we have to stop and say no, no more saying the word myth. Several phenomena and creatures that were once considered myths or legends before the 20th century have since been scientifically validated or explained. Here are a few examples. Platypus. Ornithorhynchus anatinus. The platypus, native to Australia, was initially met with skepticism and disbelief when specimens were first sent to Europe in the late 18th century. Its combination of features from different animals, such as a bill similar to a duck's and the ability to lay eggs, led some to believe that it was a hoax. It wasn't until the early 19th century that scientific acceptance of the platypus as a real animal began to gain traction. Today it is recognized as a unique and fascinating monotreme, a group of egg-laying mammals. Coelacanth, Latimeria chalumni. The coelacanth is a prehistoric fish that was thought to have gone extinct around 66 million years ago. However, in 1938, a living coelacanth was discovered off the coast of South Africa, shocking the scientific community. This discovery challenged the idea that the coelacanth was a relic from the distant past and demonstrated that some mythical creatures from the fossil record could still exist. Okapi Okapia Johnstoni The Okapi, native to the Democratic Republic of Congo, was known to local people but remained unknown to Western science until the early 20th century. Its unusual appearance led to skepticism about its existence before scientific confirmation. Giant squid, Architeuthis spp. For centuries, reports of giant squids were dismissed as sailors' tall tales. It wasn't until the late 19th and 20th centuries that scientists began to collect physical evidence of these elusive deep-sea creatures. The first photographs of a live giant squid in its natural habitat were taken in 2004, confirming their existence. Gigantopithecus. Gigantopithecus is an extinct genus of ape that lived in Asia. While not a myth per se, it was largely unknown to science until fossil evidence was discovered in the 20th century. It is believed to be one of the largest apes to have ever existed. Regarding the Mer people, their lifespan and reproductive habits remain speculative. According to the Anunnaki theory, if they were created by an advanced extraterrestrial race, their biology and lifespans could differ significantly from humans. According to the Anunnaki theory, these beings lived for approximately 120 years on their home planet, which, in our earthly context, would equate to about 1 million years. If the Mer people inherited even a fraction of the long lifespan attributed to the Anunnaki, considering their creation around 300,000 years ago, they could conceivably still be alive today.
This time span represents less than half of the Anunnaki's potential lifespan. It's reasonable to assume that if Enki intended for them to reproduce, he would have ensured their capability to do so. However, the question remains. If merpeople did breed and live for extended periods, why aren't they visible to us today? One of the most notable mermaid sightings in Orkney dates back to the late 19th century, spanning multiple summers around 1890. During this time, a series of encounters with a mysterious creature earned it the moniker the Deerness Mermaid. Frequently observed in Newark Bay Deerness, this mermaid gained significant attention, with numerous eyewitnesses confirming the authenticity of their experiences, although the documented reports mostly indicate that the mermaid stayed at a distance from the shore, providing only vague details. One particular account stands out, challenging the conventional portrayal of a mermaid. The creature measured about six to seven feet in length, featuring a small black head attached to a neck, a snow-white body, and two arms. Its swimming behavior closely resembled that of a human being. Occasionally, it would perch on a submerged rock, waving and moving its hands. Another mermaid sighting was reported in 1913, detailing multiple encounters with a mermaid in the deep waters off Hoy's southeastern coast. The account describes, Ralph Taylor and his crew, while tending to their lobster traps, spotted an unusual creature resembling a mermaid near the base of the Old Man Rock Formation. It rose out of the water to a height of three feet, resembling a lady with a shawl draped around her shoulders, her face streaming with water. This marked the third time they had seen it up close. Even the older residents had never witnessed anything like it before, leaving them perplexed about its true nature. Some speculated it might be the Deerness Mermaid on a tour. What adds intrigue to the Hoy Mermaid account is its resemblance to a medieval Norse text known as the King's Mirror. In this ancient narrative, the author describes an encounter with a merman at sea. This creature is tall and substantial, rising straight out of the water. It possesses shoulders resembling those of a man but lacks hands. Its body appears to taper from the shoulders downwards, becoming progressively slimmer as it descends. However, no one has observed it closely enough to ascertain whether its body features scales like a fish or skin like a man. Whenever this monster has made an appearance, it has consistently signaled the impending arrival of a storm. This historical account closely resembles the creature witnessed by the Hoy fishermen in 1913. The striking resemblance between these two incidents leaves us with an intriguing question. What could this enigmatic creature have been? As recently as 2012, reports of mermaid sightings emerged in Zimbabwe. During the construction of a dam, laborers claimed to have observed mermaids approaching them while they worked. In this region, mermaids are associated with bad luck, leading the laborers to halt their work on the dams. To this day, these dam projects remain incomplete. However, it's essential to acknowledge the prevalence of hoaxes. With the advent of computer graphics, Creating realistic animations of people in the water is relatively straightforward. It becomes slightly more challenging on land, but for someone skilled in CGI, it's entirely feasible. Numerous fake videos have surfaced, and discerning their authenticity is crucial. One telltale sign of a fake is if the alleged mermaid is depicted wearing a bra or something resembling a chest covering. In the original stories and depictions, merpeople are typically depicted as naked, wearing at most a hat or wristband. Even television networks have contributed to the confusion. Animal Planet aired two pseudo-documentaries, The Body Found and The New Evidence, 
which purported to present scientific evidence of mermaid existence. However, these programs feature actors posing as scientists, a fact disclosed briefly during the closing credits. Despite this disclaimer, discussions on social media platforms like Twitter under the hashtag #mermaids indicated that a substantial number of viewers remained unaware of the fictional nature of the shows. For instance, tweets like, Having seen the documentary Mermaids the Body Found, I am now convinced that mermaids exist. And considering that 90% of the ocean remains unexplored, are you seriously suggesting that mermaids are non-existent? Retweeted over 800 times, reveal the impact of these pseudo-documentaries. It is crucial to remember that these documentaries were broadcast on a network claiming to educate its audience about the natural world. The Body Found faced rightful criticism as the decaying remains of science television, making the airing of a sequel on Animal Planet a surprising and disappointing development. There could be over 2,000 ancient carvings and statues depicting mermaids or merpeople worldwide, given the diverse cultures and historical periods in which these representations exist. However, determining an exact number remains challenging due to the lack of comprehensive documentation and cataloging of artifacts from various regions and time periods, as previously mentioned. But does this mean we have no evidence, no mermaids washed up on the shores? Well, maybe we do. Recent discoveries have shed light on a centuries-old mummified mermaid, a bizarre amalgamation of animal parts made even more peculiar by new findings. In 2022, researchers stumbled upon this enigmatic mermaid, measuring approximately 12 inches, 30.5 centimeters in length, hidden within a sealed wooden casket inside a Japanese temple located in Okayama Prefecture. Upon examination, experts deduced that it consisted of the upper body and head of a monkey meticulously attached to the decapitated body of a fish, resembling the Ningyo of Japanese mythology. The Ningyo is a creature with a fish-like physique adorned with a human head, famed in legends for its supposed ability to heal illnesses and bestow longevity. The mummy had been prominently displayed in a glass enclosure at the temple for worship by visitors before being stored away over four decades ago. Within the mummy's wooden box was a letter claiming that the specimen had been captured by a fisherman between 1736 and 1741. However, no evidence has been shown that it was the upper body and head of a monkey meticulously attached to the decapitated body of a fish. Now, on to a different topic that might be unfamiliar, but please bear with me. John D. Rockefeller Jr. was renowned for his philanthropic efforts, making significant contributions to various causes, including disaster relief and cultural institutions. His donation to help rebuild a library in Japan after a 1924 disaster reflects his dedication to supporting education and cultural preservation. As you progress through this book, you'll notice the Rockefellers consistently in the background, offering their assistance, in my view, helping to hide our true history. Around 1925, John D. Rockefeller Jr. had agreed to finance a museum project. They had the ideal location in mind, the Kazer El Neil Barracks, very close to the current museum, situated on the banks of the Nile. However, this offer was declined because the Rockefellers intended to staff the museum with Americans and dictate which artifacts would be exhibited, exerting complete control over the displayed items accessible to the public. I'll leave it to you to decide if you believe that nearly every country in the world, from the earliest carvings to modern sea stories, has mentioned merpeople and if they are real. By the time you finish this book, 
you'll likely agree with me that what we are told by those in charge is often the opposite of reality. I hope you enjoyed this. All links to everything can be found on my website, ourtruehistory.co.uk.